Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plus, and with myself, Steve Nisbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, my South Stand chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is episode number 227, as always. Thank you to everyone who tuned into last week's show. We appreciate that people are still not quite in their flow and their usual rhythm, but now that lockdown has been eased, maybe you'll find that flow again. This week, we've got a bit of a game to talk about, but also we are delighted that earlier today we were able to catch up with Orient Chairman Nigel Travis. He joined us to give us his views on fans returning, also the football funding and how that basically how that's going to impact and affect uh, Orient. Anti-discrimination following the incident yesterday at uh, at Millwall's game and also his views on our season so far, including his views uh, on Ross. Plus, we've got the other half of the Orient comedy duo, sorry, commentary duo, I do beg your pardon. (laughs) Amazing. What a faux pas. Um, the Orient commentary duo joining us later, that's Matt Hiscock. He's going to be, I don't know if he's making his debut, I have a feeling he's made it onto the podcast in one of our earlier episodes, but we haven't had him on for a while. Um, but he's going to be joining us um, at the end of the Scunthorpe match to give his views uh, as one of the very few people that's actually seen every single game live so far this season. But as always, we start with a word from our sponsor. Yeah, so our sponsors are Asia Plastering. They are an Essex-based plastering and rendering company covering all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And you must all know this by now. The best part is they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and for all Leighton Orient staff. For more information and for the best plastering and rendering prices around, you can visit their website at www.ajfplastering.co.uk or you can email them at ajfplastering.outlook.com or you can get in contact with Adam and the boys on social media, on Twitter, uh, at Big Ads, LOFC, or on Facebook, or on Instagram, by just looking for AJF Plastering. All very, very, very simple there. So as Paul mentioned earlier, we were very lucky to catch up with O's chairman, Nigel Travis, earlier today, and here is what Nigel had to say. So thank you for joining us, Nigel, in your first Orient Outlook podcast appearance of the season. I guess the best place to start is by giving us your thoughts on the season so far. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, I mean, up until yesterday, if you took the last 10 games based on an analysis that we did internally, we were the second best team in terms of form. Um, obviously, always disappointed to lose a game lost yesterday after I thought our first our first 15 minutes was, I thought, the best of the season. I thought we re- really looked good. So that was a little bit disappointing. But overall, I'm happy. And and I think you have to be happy when you recognise we had three games that were COVID-impacted. Um, and the way I describe it to people over here is if you were in bed sick for 10 days and told to go and run 12 miles, how would you feel? That's what our players were asked to do. And so I think our position is good. I think um, it's probably a bit better than I expected. And I think given the strength of the squad, and there was a really good interview yesterday after the game where Joby talked about the strength of the squad, I think that's going to come into play in the second half of the season when a lot of other teams 
who've taken loan money from the EFL are going to be restricted in terms of signings. They're also going to face suspensions, injuries, and won't have the squad like we have. So I think if we can stay just about where we are going into Christmas, we'll be in a good position to make a, uh, a run for the playoffs, which is probably slightly ahead of my expectations going into the year. So you mentioned uh, the funding uh, side of things. That was announced earlier in the week, uh, about a £50 million package for Leagues 1 uh, and League 2. Are you able to give us um, sort of any additional insight into how that impacts the club? Maybe what our lion's share of that might or might not be, if you're able to disclose that in any yeah. way, shape or form? Yeah, you, Paul, you know me too well. I mean, <laughs> why, why know something and not share it, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, and I think, by the way, one of the things that we've really worked hard on, and I want to recognise the work that Luke's done, who happens to be recording this today, but, you know, we've done, I think, a great job, in my view, of trying to communicate with fans during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and, and the net result is, you know, we've tried to keep you up to date. And I think we will look back in three years' time and say that the pandemic was one of the best things that happened to football because it's, it's forced people to come together and have debates. I mean, all the debates about things like Project Big Picture, um, the new review with Boston Consulting Group that the Premier League are doing. But in the short term, a lot of clubs are struggling. And from what I heard through sources, probably about eight to ten clubs in Leagues 1 and 2 are very close to going under. So it was very helpful to get the package that came out last week that you mentioned. Uh, we got an initial payment of 250000 um, which does contribute to the, you know, the $2 million loss that I've talked about many times, extra loss this year because of COVID. Um, but I think there's more money to come. And, and I think BCG will come back with their findings probably March, April. And I think you'll see proposals for a better setup of media and and making football sustainable, which is what it's all about. And by the way, I just repeat, it was Kent who first talked about this, not me. And and I'm more confident and I really stress more confident than I've ever been. That's great to hear. So we have a big week coming up uh, on the pitch. Uh, and along with that, the return of football fans into the stadium. So this Tuesday, there'll be a thousand lucky Orient fans who get to attend the game against Bristol Rovers, followed by this Saturday, where there'll be 2,000 fans coming to the ground against Newport County. So I guess, what would the impact be of those fans returning, not just for the club players, but for the club as well? well I think multiple. One is, you know, we're a professional football club and professional football clubs usually have fans watching it. So not to have Fans in the stadium has been absolutely bizarre and weird. Uh, I think we've all kind of got used to it. Uh, and it was kind of strange seeing a few games yesterday with fans. I mean, I watched the end of the Chelsea game uh, last night. But it's great to have fans back. I think our supporters have been particularly loyal, supportive, whatever words you want to use. So it's great to have them back. I think the players are going to be excited about it. Ross talked about that yesterday. Um, so it's only good with the fans coming back. Um, I, I'll say for everyone listening to it, um, I don't understand all the protocols, but from what I understand, it's going to be a pretty bare bones experience in terms of concessions and 
what have you. But but the goal, there's only one goal, make people safe. And that's why we're going to mandate masks everywhere, even when you're sitting down, which is consistent with the Premier League, uh, because we want to keep people safe. And I think it's fair to say, from what Danny tells me, a number of fans are very nervous about coming back. So we want to reinforce to them that it is safe. And I think by demonstrating on Tuesday that it's a good experience, I know Luke and his team are going to do some videos to share with people. Um, but we want people to be comfortable. comfortable. And, and we don't want anyone to put themselves at risk because they're an avid Leighton Orient fan. I know how frustrating it is. I mean, you know, I'm the chairman and I haven't been since February. So I, I fully empathise with everyone, including you two, because I know how fanatical you are like I am about Leighton Orient. So, you know, we've, we've got to think of our health first. So I think it's going to be good. I think the team have done a great job putting everything together and we're all delighted the fans are back. And also, I guess as well, as you touched upon there, it's going to be a bare-bones experience. It's not like the club are actually going to be able to make any money off the back of it because people are be bringing in their own food and drink. Yeah, but I think, Paul, I've got the stage now where <laughs> the two million loss is the two million loss. Uh, you know, if, if we're getting fans back, it's one step. What would be dreadful is people came back and then we had a big outbreak amongst our fans. That would set us back and set football back. So the goal is simple, safe experience. And, and, and if people don't tolerate the protocols that have been put in place for their own good, I think we'll have to take pretty tough action ourselves. I mean, again, I don't know all the details, but I think there's going to be a way you come in, so the way for entrance, the way you go out, so there's all kinds of things involved and it's a really complicated thing to work out, as is the ballot. So, um, I mean, the workload, and I'm not directly involved in it, is unbelievable. In relation to, to the... Um, kudos. Yeah, I guess the only time someone will pass someone in an aisle is if they need to go to the toilet. So that kind of reduces the amount of impact people will have. But just to touch back on what you mentioned earlier, we've had an initial £250,000 payment from the EFL loan thing. I mean, obviously, there's a massive pot there of £50 million to be divvied out between uh, four, uh, 48 clubs. Do you expect much more of that to come our way? OK, so just to be clear, the two fifty was a grant, not a loan. A grant, um, OK. So yeah. that goes into the club's coffers. There's then another amount to come, which will be based on attendance lost. And obviously, as we're one of the bigger clubs in terms of attendance, that should benefit us. Um, and we will not be going for the grant. Sorry, for the, sorry, I've said it wrong this time. For the loan, for the loan, because there are all kinds of controls around that. You know, you can only sign this player. You can't spend that money. We don't want that. We want the freedom to do what we can do in the transfer window, which I repeat is not a lot because we've got the salary cap, which is part of getting to sustainability. And, and it's interesting, Danny does an informal survey. If you actually look at what we're spending this year, we're spending more than most clubs. Are. Um, so I'm not going to reveal what other clubs spend because it's private information but we're already spending more than most. So there is not a lot, but we like to believe that we can strengthen the squad in the window. 
So we Something should that is new. Uh, have, have an advantage over other clubs come the second half of the season then. Sorry, yeah. Steve. No, I, I believe we've got a strong advantage for the reasons I said earlier. Hopefully yeah. we're going to strengthen. I doubt it's going to be as spectacular as last winter window when we bought in what, I think three, three really great assets in uh, Cissé, Vigoro and Johnson. DJ, yeah. Uh, by the way, has he scored any goals since he played for us? Sorry. I've got to check up on that. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> Something that will be new to the fans coming back is the players taking uh, a knee for the BLM movement. And yesterday that caused a bit of controversy at Millwall where some fans booed uh, that movement that, that happened there. What What is your stance, I guess, and the club's stance on... <clears throat> that going forward and what would, I guess, happen to any fans who were caught booing that or, or not not appreciating that? Well, I think I've been very clear on our position. We will not tolerate any discrimination of any form, any abuse in the form of discrimination. And I've said very clearly that the clubs, will, anyone found doing it will be removed and banned for life. I mean... I mean, it's black and white. You know, we live in an area that is sexually diverse, as is every area, racially diverse, and we do not believe in discrimination. We have a lot of young people who work at our club. We have young kids down to the age of nine, and I did something I've never done before on Friday. It was great. We did a talk with all the academy parents. Uh, I was on it, Martin was on it, Ross was on it, and Lewis was on it. And the diversity of the faces was fantastic. And we are a club that embraces diversity of all kinds. And what happened at Millwall yesterday is disgraceful. And we won't tolerate it. And Colchester came out with some good statements today because they had an incident as well. And we're right behind them. So I guess from that... Yeah. Was there any message in particular that you'd like to get across to the Orient faithful that are going to be listening to this interview uh, in our podcast? No, I just say, look, uh, I believe in people should have the right to say what they think, but but we're a club with a lot of diversity. We've got coaching staff who are diverse, quite a lot of diversity in our coaching staff, a lot of diversity in our playing staff. Uh, and, a, and a lot of diversity uh, amongst our academy, at plus in, in the administration. And we will not tolerate any, any discrimination in any form. And, and, and by saying something that someone can hear, that's a form of discrimination. I mean, if someone works for me, not only over here, but over there, and they do it, out they go. I mean, you know, it, it, it's clear and we have to support um, all the actions that are taking place in the UK to get rid of uh, any form of prejudice in football. And, uh, I mean, the EFL came out against it. I think the FA came out against it. And, you know, we're very supportive of Millwall's Millwall as a club because they have a great community programme. I mean, they've been really renowned for their community work. So I, I know they're very disappointed. Uh, and then Colchester is another club that I think is a terrific club. So we, the message to everyone, zero discrimination. 
just finally, before we, we wrap up, um, Nigel, we, we touched on it earlier in terms of the season and how well uh, the clubs that we generally are doing are slightly ahead of perhaps where you might expect us to be. But obviously you have regular catch-ups with with Ross Embleton, the manager of uh, of the club. Your your views on how well he's doing at the moment? Because obviously you've got a bit of an inside edge in terms of catch-ups that you have. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I like about Ross is open-minded and he learns from things. I mean, good good example is he went out and recruited a assistant head coach. He had a lot of candidates, but what he did before he even went out, he came to us and said, well, you guys really fumbled the football when when you recruited Carl Fletcher. Let's learn from that. And we did. I mean, we, we all basically said what a screw-up it was last year. And so Ross learned from that. He put him put a process in place that was fantastic. We ended up with Danny Sender, who I think has done a really good job so far. Um, but I think the reason I want to focus on that, Ross learns from good and bad experiences. And I think he's learning fast. Do I agree with everything he does? No. Uh, and But that's fine. I mean, and, and I can ask him a question. And as long as he's got a rationale for doing it, I mean... What, what, why he isn't playing a certain player, I ask him like other fans do, and I get an answer. That, that's what is important. So I think he's doing really well. Um, I think he's learning as he's going. I think he's obviously had this totally bizarre stop-start career as a manager. You know, short time under Steve Davis, which I think we all agree didn't go very well. Then he had to start after Justin died at the start of last season. Then he came back after Carl when he was really an interim. And then the full-time job. I think he's done very well in the full-time job last year. And apart from the interruption I mentioned earlier with COVID, he's been on a very steady path this year. So I'm very pleased with what he's doing. As long as he keeps learning, and I've encouraged Martin to challenge him more and more every week so that we get the best answer. I think his coaching staff's have, a, have strong opinions, particularly in the form of Dean Brill and Danny Sender. So I think we're good, and I'm confident for the second half of the year. And and what was really interesting, just to finish it up, I did a podcast with him over here for a local college. I asked him to do it with me, and it was a much broader um, podcast about football in America, football in England, and he was talking about patterns of play. It was a, it was really a discussion I'd never had with him. And, and Ross is a lot broader than you think and, and a very experienced coach. And, and that really came out in that discussion. So I'm very pleased with what he's doing. So thank you very much indeed to Nigel Travis for giving up uh, some time earlier on today to give us his thoughts and insights. There's been obviously quite a bit that's gone on. And also thanks to Luke Lamborn uh, at the club for arranging that for us today. Always good to hear from Nigel uh, and people from the board and from within the club. And uh, there's a lot of positivity uh, about our position. I think you'd agree, Steve? Yeah, always appreciated. Great to hear from Nigel. And that interview kind of happened really, really quickly. Um, so we're very grateful for again Nigel and Luke sorting it out so we hope you've enjoyed that we've covered quite a bit uh, with Nigel uh, in that interview and hope that you found that useful so let's move on into AOB uh, 
this week. We, as always, we always finish the pod by asking for iTunes reviews. Uh, thank you to James Reynolds and to David Mathuk, who both gave us five-star uh, reviews on iTunes and left us a lovely comment. So thank you there to James and David. And if you're listening on iTunes at the moment, shameless plug, but go and uh, give us a, a nice review now. Don't wait to the end of the podcast. <laughs> Good plug, Mr Nussbaum. Okay, so moving on then. Um, unfortunately, we've got some not such good news uh, to bring you all. Um, the passing of two members of the late Orient family. First of all, we were saddened to learn that we'd lost Sandy Risley earlier on the week. He'd reached the grand age of 86. Older fans will remember him uh, for the many different roles that he had at the club. Kit man, fitness trainer. But from what I'd read on social media was just the fact that he was just a really, really, really nice man. So uh, I didn't unfortunately know Sandy, but um, we'd like to, to sort of send our condolences to Sandy's family and may he rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. We were also really sad to learn the passing of Lena Feldman, who's the wife of late night supporters, Klaus Stadelwerk. Simon, uh, she sadly passed away earlier this week, so we send our condolences to Simon, uh, the family, and her friends at this sad time. So, you know, a bad week in terms of losing two yeah. members of the Orient family who, you know, we hope rest in peace. Yeah, terrible, terrible. We don't like to bring you news of that. Um, okay, so moving on then, that the week that was, we're going to move on to Coulson Monday, the 30th of November. The ballots for tickets for the home games for Bristol Rovers, Newport County and Crawley Town all went live at nine o'clock. So I think the ballots are probably closed by now. So from that perspective, yeah. you're too late. <laughs> we hope everyone who applied got what they wanted. Yes. And we you know, hope everyone has a great time returning back. That, that would have been a nicer way for me to end that, wouldn't it? Um, but also, <laughs> apologies, like there was a bit of Steve and I talking over each other in that Nigel interview as well. So obviously where we're doing everything remotely, uh, it is a bit more uh, challenging. So apologies to anyone uh, for, uh, for that. Yeah, so the nominations were also announced on Monday the 30th of November on Twitter for the O's Player of the Month with the nominees being named as follows. So Josh Coulson, Danny Johnson... Hector Kiprianu and Lawrence Vigoru and the winner with this one 64% of the vote unsurprisingly was the fox in the box Danny Johnson so well done to Danny from us at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers I mean all four nominees have had great months Josh Coulson has been sublime I think this season so far Danny Johnson's goal score and form talks of itself Hector Kiprianu has really broken through obviously last week's guest on the podcast he had an amazing November where he makes his starting debut, scores on his starting debut, and holds down the regular spot. And Lawrence Vigoureux, who we've spoken about many times on this podcast, made some vital saves. So, all four could have won, but Danny Johnson, for me, you know, obvious choice. What a month Danny Johnson had. Yeah, no, I agree. You've done a brilliant round-up there. I think it would have been harsh not to give it to him, but I think you're right. They were all really worthy winners. Hector made his debut, scored on his debut. Lawrence Vigoureux made saves that kept us in games, saves that he probably had no right to make at times and Josh Coulson's been quietly solid at the back so yeah all worthy winners uh, in that respect um, So, but well done to Danny take nothing away from the fact that he scored some tremendous goals that have won us games as well so yeah it's a, it's a good problem uh, to have a good head scratcher there um, the club announced that the away game against Morecambe on Tuesday the 15th of September is now scheduled to kick off at the earlier time of 630 
Yeah, that's an earlier kickoff um, than normal. Than yeah. the normal seven. That was December, by the way, Mister Levy. I wouldn't hold that against you for saying September. What? Did I say September? Oh God. <laughs> Not doing too well so far. You wouldn't think this is my millionth one that I've done. Yeah, sorry. Tuesday the 15th of December. It's now scheduled to kick off against Morecambe at half past six in the evening. So to Huey, Tuesday the 1st of December, the last month of the calendar year, started with the club announcing that the upcoming game away to Scunford United this Saturday would be kicking off at 1pm. As with our home fixture against them on Saturday the 13th of March, which will also kick-off at 1pm. So we've obviously seen loads of games get moved, kick-off times due to COVID and the restrictions and making it easier to travel and being cost-effective. So, again, no surprise there for me, really. Yeah, absolutely. XO youth team product, XORM youth team product, Jabo Ibery. Jabo, Jabo, Yeah, go on, do it. Uh, He announced his retirement (laughs) from football and we'd like to thank him for the memories and we wish him all the very best for the future, whatever that may hold. And I saw a lot of people from lots of, all the, lots of different clubs that he'd played for all saying positive things about him. Such a nice man. Yeah, decent football as well. I mean, you don't tend to be a professional footballer for 20 years or so if you can't put the ball in the net if you're forward. So he's had a very good career. True, he had his moments, mind. He's had his moments, mind. <laughs> So also on Tuesday, the youth team were in EFL Youth Alliance action away to Peterborough United. Sadly, lost the game 5-0. So unlucky there to the youngos. Yeah, Wednesday the 2nd of December. Then happy birthday to Orient goalkeeping coach and promotion winning keeper Dean Brill. And also, Steve, to your wife who turned 40. So uh, a big one for her. Shame it was in, in lockdown. She had a good one. Yeah, she did. She's done very well. No Orient gifts because she doesn't really like football. Yeah, although she gets points down, football. But, you know, there you go. But yeah, she won't listen to this, but happy 14th, <laughs> my darling, Sarah. So Thursday, the 3rd of December, another birthday, this time friend of the pod, Charlie Edinburgh. So we hope Charlie had a great 28th birthday. And what Charlie and the family continue to do with the JE3 Foundation is nothing sort of short of exceptional. We've got Justin Edinburgh Day coming up, I think it's Saturday the 19th of December, which promises to be a really interesting day ahead. So obviously we'll keep you abreast of what happens on that day or what gets announced. But happy birthday, Charlie. Maybe you had a good one. Absolutely. The Premier League and the EFL reached an agreement on Thursday over a £50 million fund to help League One and League Two clubs. And we've covered that, or Nigel's very... Uh, much covered that in his chat with us before and the fact that we're getting a quarter of a million pounds and then obviously further funding based on gate receipts. So, yeah, there's more to be read on that if you want to, but I think Nigel's pretty much given us a high-level overview on that. Yeah, he absolutely did. So moving on into Moodle Friday, the 4th of December. Happy 19th birthday to young O. Jaden Sweeney. Yeah, the club announced its goal of the month uh, vote for uh, November. The nominees were uh, last week's interviewee Hector Kiprianu for his goal against Newport, Danny Johnson's goal against Harrogate, uh, Dan Happy's goal against Bradford and Danny Johnson's goal against Port Vale. And for me, I think it's either, at the time I wrote this, it's either Hector's goal just because it was his debut and it was great technique or Danny's against Harrogate. Uh, again, both were superb in terms of technique and they were both good goals. I think if you're going to be on the um, 
on the heartstring side of things, I think you're going to probably go for Hector because he's a young man making his debut and scoring a debut goal. Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's a, a flip of a coin for me on that, Steve. Danny Johnson all day long. As good as Hector's goal was, and it was a debut, I appreciate Danny Johnson's goal. <laughs> that goal <laughs> against um, Harrogate was absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Could, could be goal of the season potentially the way he took that. Yeah. Um, so the winner was. Danny Johnson's goal versus Harrogate, meaning he'd done the double in November, not only getting goal of the month, but as we alluded earlier in the podcast, getting player of the month as well. So what a month for the Fox in the box. Well done, Danny Johnson. And most other months, Hector takes goal of the month, but this month beaten by just an absolute belter of a goal. Absolutely. So we move on then to Saturday the 5th of December. The Young O's were in action against Peterborough United for the second time in a week. Unfortunately, they lost the game 6-0 this time, so unlucky to the young O's. Peterborough must have put out a very strong side. Yeah, two games where we've been absolutely slaughtered. So hopefully this time next week we're talking about the young O's getting a, a better result. So time to move on into the main event on Saturday as the O's travelled away to Scunthorpe United. And before the game, we ran our normal Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. And after 180 votes... In 24 hours, you voted as follows. With 15% of you thinking that Orient would lose the game, 30% thinking the game would end in the draw, and a massive 55% majority thinking that Orient would win the game. So we've seen, again, another trend over the last three or four weeks with Orient winning being a massive overall winner. Um, and it has been right most of the time, but would it be right this time? Only time will find out. But as always, thank you to all of your votes. Absolutely, no spoilers from you. Um, so the team lined up, it was, it was announced at 2 o'clock. Lawrence Vigory was in goal, Sam Ling, Josh Coulson, Dan Happy, Joe Widdison at the back with uh, Usise, Jovi McEnough and Louis Dennis across the middle with Brophy, Wilkinson and DJ up top. Subs for this one, Sam Sargent, Akinola, Clay Dayton, Kiprianu, Satoriu and Lee and goal. That meant the team was unchanged from the one that lined up against Port Vale, as Liango and Craig Clay were named on the bench following injury. Steve, your views on that? Can't argue with that. 1-3 on the bounce doesn't change the team. No complaints with me. Great to see Clay and Angle back. Obviously, the big talking point when the team was announced was JMD's admission. Uh, but for me, you know, the players on the bench deserve to be there. I don't know what JMD does or does not do in training. So... Yeah, it, that's, uh, there's no trouble there for me at all. In terms of the starting lineup, I think you're right. Actually, I think you like you know a settled side, a winning side. You don't want to change it. Like you surprised that Jordan isn't even on the bench, uh, and also like uh, you know Josh Wright isn't on the bench either, uh, which is surprising unless they're injured. Um, you know, with Jordan, maybe he feels hard done by to not get a starting place given the impact that he's had in the games that he has played, but maybe he's more of an impact substitution rather than a, well, than a starting 90-minute one. Um, I think we, um, it? I think we alluded to with Peyton as well before a couple of weeks ago, is that when you're playing the 4-3-3, JMD is a right winger for all intents and purposes, in my view, but you can't play him in that position of central midfield because he won't work there and like I, I've personally said I think he's too weak there to be put there in terms of he, he won't win the ball back enough and 
the only other player who he can boss out the team is Connor Wilkinson. Well, at the moment, Connor Wilkinson has made that position his own, so he's not going to get into the starting eleven, whether that's right or wrong. Maybe if we were playing four four two, it could be different because I think JD has got a much better chance as a four four two. But for me, if JD is fit, then an impacts up. Possibly, but when you when you look at that bench and you go, well, you've got no Josh Wright, you've got no Jamie Turley, and you've got no JMD, that just shows you the strength and depth of the squad. And it was always going to be, wasn't it, that there were going to be some senior pros that were going to be left out of the squad, and they're probably not happy about it. But that is the that is the headache that Ross is going to have to uh, deal with somehow because you've got a, a full squad of 22, 24 players who all want to play. Uh, majority have just come back from injury now, so the you know the, the the medical room is probably pretty empty at the moment. So now comes the point where actually uh, you know people you can only have so many on the bench. Um, but uh, people are probably now going to start banging on his door saying, "I want to play," and it's going to cause well, him is, headaches. This is, a, this is a big, this is a big turning point now for JMD in his Orient career. He, this will either go one of two ways: he either gets back into the squad, comes on and smashes it, and just gets his head down and works, or he goes off and sulks, and we don't see JMD again. I hope it's the first one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he's a young man probably a bit more impatient than George Josh Wrights and Jamie Turley's who have probably been in this position once or twice before in their careers and know how to deal with it and know that the time will come back around but a big big time for JMD now and I hope it goes the way in terms of he really trains hard gets his head down manages to get back onto the subspench or in the starting 11 and shows us what we've all been missing and starts getting that consistently mm. fingers crossed anyway Absolutely. Well, we had a number of tweets come in uh, off the back of the announcement of the squad for yesterday's match. PM31970 said, good to see an unchanged team and Clay and Angle back on the bench. Happy with that? Yeah, Les OK52 tweeted said, where's Jamie Turley disappeared to? Not even been on the bench lately. Surely not another injury. Orient Sphincter said, I would always play two of Cissé, Hector and Craig along with Joby. Worked last week because we went because uh, we was potent up top, but got totally overrun for the whole second half. Also, get the staying unchanged after a win though. Yeah, posh oh zero one said Ross has said on a number of occasions that JMD is frustrated at not starting, so maybe he has indicated that he wants to leave. So, like we said, lots of speculation upon JMD not being selected as far as I know JMD hasn't come out on social media and said anything I don't think Ross says anything in post-match particularly no. about JMD so I think we'll just wait and see yeah it is going to be a wait and see um, run and ref with GC a new one uh, new Twitter handle that I'm seeing here strong looking squad now with the players back from injury Jamie Turley and JMD can't even make the bench yeah so, the match kicked off at 1pm. Both teams looking to continue their recent winning form with the Mightyos wearing the braces kit for the first time this season. So, he did wear it in a pre-season friendly uh, against Gillingham, I believe, but the first time it's been worn in a competitive match. A beautiful, beautiful shirt. Mm, it did look fantastic. Um, we had the perfect chance to take the lead after six minutes when a penalty was awarded for handball by Loft in the box and up stepped the Fox in the box, Danny Johnson. He put his penalty straight down the middle and it was saved by Howard in the Scunthorpe goal and the ball was eventually cleared. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? I've always said if a striker hits the target, well, if a player hits the target with a penalty, then I don't mind the keeper saving it. But I don't like penalties that go down the middle. I think you're asking for trouble. Yeah, and Howard's big legs just stop the ball. 
and it's gone out. When we had the penalty, I was convinced that Johnson would score it. And when I saw Johnson stepping up, I thought, yes, Johnson's on fire. There's only one place he's going, back in the net. But little did I know that, you know, 30 seconds later, the keeper saves it and the chance is ultimately gone. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for me, I don't think a pro, pro player should ever miss a penalty, at least of all a pro striker. Um, but at, at least if you do miss it, you make the keeper work. And Danny has made the keeper work. The keeper's luckily left his legs out there. And, um, you know, Danny's put it too low. It needs to go sort of above above the ground, really. Um, so the keeper got lucky there. Second penalty he's missed on the trot, believe yeah. it or not. Well, good, good for him for having the guts to... To, to stand up yeah. and take a second one and want to take it. Absolutely, absolutely. So we had a really good start to this one. Ninth minute, Connor Wilson had a looping effort which took a massive deflection just wide of the post and just five minutes later, Usisa had a left-footed effort from range. The ball again took a deflection, keeper just stranded and the ball hit the outside of the post and went out for a goal kick. So, you know, in the opening 16 minutes we've hit the post Connor's had a dipping shot just wide. Danny Johnson's missed a penalty. He was all orient in a really good positive start. Yeah, and, and you can just tell by this point that it's just not our day. And we're only just a quarter of an hour into the match. Um, you know, you miss, you're creating all these chances. And, you know, um, Connor's effort was amazing. It was only just wide. And, and the same with, uh, with Usi's as well. You're talking fractions of inches here and, and, and a missed penalty. So... You know, it looks like it wasn't meant to be our day. In the 17th minute, though, it was Scunthorpe who almost took the lead this time as a corner was floated into the box from Issa and a close-range header from Gilead uh, looked to be heading into the net, but Lawrence Vigaru made a great reaction save to tip it over the bar. Yeah, another good save there yeah. from that Vigaru. 22nd minute, another chance for the O's. It's Joby McEnough went close with a volley that win just wide so again you know that's four chances now in the opening 22 minutes and we've said it on the podcast time and time again I'm sure Ross says it's the players like just got to be clinical and you have to take chances because if you don't more often than not we know what happens especially supporting late in Orient yeah 28 minutes on the clock then it was Scunthorpe who actually took the lead as Loft won the ball back on the halfway line he interchanged with Spence and Beastin uh, Beastin fed O'Malley uh, and his cross is onto the head of Loft who bullets home the header to make it 1-0. Disappointing there. Again, we yeah. talk about clinical on both boxes, but we lose the ball too easily there. I think it was yeah. Cissé. And then from there, we don't win it back. Wilkinson doesn't get on his man uh, enough to stop the cross. And once the cross comes in, I think Loft just runs off of Happy. 1-0, and then all to do. Yeah, really, really it's a disappointing guy. I think when they look at that back on Monday, um, they're going to be quite disappointed with how that goal came about. The fact that we've turned over possession around the halfway line and we've not put in enough of a challenge to win the ball back. And there's, you know, the guys run into the box and headed it in. Uh, it, it's, it's a cheap goal to give away, um, in my opinion. But, you know, it is what it is. 34 minutes on the clock then. Joe Widdison was booked for a high challenge on Spence. Yeah, 38th minute, Joe B. McEnough had a deep free kick. He floated it in. That was headed towards goal by Connor Walkinson and Howard done well to save, um, to keep the ball out. I think it was a one-handed save. I think he had it covered. But I think that was one more for the cameras, but a decent save there nonetheless. 43 minutes on the clock and Connor Wilkinson was booked after an aerial clash with McAtee. Yeah, two minutes of added time were played as the half-time whistle went with the O's trading 1-0 with all to play for in the second half. Yeah, so the second half kicked off. No subs for the O's, and in the 48th minute, McAtee sent a half volley just wide. 
Yes, 52nd minute, almost an own goal. It was kind of walking so the speed cross was nearly turned in by Clark, narrowly missed the goal. I mean, we've, we've been lucky in the last couple of games at points, but luck seemingly eluding us on this day. Yeah, our first substitution of the match came in the 58th minute as Craig Clay came on for Louis Dennis. Yeah, good to see Craig Clay um, back in the squad and getting, you know, a half hour and plus game time there. 63rd minute Ita exchanged a give and go by Mali before rolling the ball across to Max T, whose effort on goal was pushed away well by Vigroux. Again, another good save there by Vigroux. Yeah, absolutely. Um, don't hear enough of Louis Dennis just jumping back to that substitution, uh, which is disappointing. It doesn't mean to say he didn't have any impact on the game, but we're not sort of picking up enough uh, about that. Um, 70 minutes on the clock now, a double substitution for the O's Joe Wilson and Connor Wilkinson made way for Ruel Satorio and Lee Angle. And Satorio almost had an instant impact as Howard scrambled to the far corner of his net to keep his effort out a minute after coming on. So good to see both of our uh, return from injury players getting some minute, valuable minutes. Yeah, I mean, as good as that is, when you take Joe Woodson off as a left-back and you bring Wilson to you on, that does mean that James Brophy goes back to left-back. So, obviously, that whole debate starts up again. I think there's a few tweets alluding to it. But in the 78th minute, Scunthorpe made it 2-0. It was Alfie Beasting, got the ball on the edge of the area, sidestepped his man, casually rolled the ball across goal, into the corner of the past the on-dive, Lawrence Vigroux got Scunthorpe's second goal of the game to make it 2-0 at that point. I just thought, oh, it's game over now. Like, I don't think we'll get back onto it. I mean, it's a decent finish. I actually think Vigroux may have got down a bit earlier there. He seems to go down a bit slow. I don't know if I'm being a bit harsh on Vigroux there. Um, but that's one of the goals that I've looked at this season. Oh, could Vigroux have gone down a bit sooner? I, mm. I don't know. Personally, for me, I think we could have done more to stop the shot in the first place. You've got Usisa and Connor Wilkinson both standing in the way. Like, If you're going to block it, block it. If you're going to be in the way, block it. Because Lawrence Vigor has seen that really late, I think. Um, yeah. So, because it's come through two sets of people, so it's, it, it's quite late. So if you're going to be there, block it or go and close the man down a little bit more, Us, and stop him from shooting. Um, maybe I'm just being harsh. You know, I've never played the game at any particular level, so maybe I'm... Yeah. Hindsight, with, the va- uh, with the benefit of hindsight, it's all great, but you know you can't just stand there and let the man take a shot at our goal on the edge of the box. We need to be doing better, in my opinion. And again, as you said earlier, being a bit more clinical in both boxes. Um, 79 minutes on the clock then, Danny Johnson was next to get a book in as his frustration saw him bump into Onyurise. And in the 83rd minute, James Brophy also took a booking for descent. A minute later, Joby, booking, uh, Joby McEnough also was booked for descent. So it's a little bit of... Um, Behavioural management going awry there? Just discipline, isn't it? Discipline, At this point, you just, just don't get sent off because we've got Newport coming up next week and we don't want anyone missing mm. for that game. At that point, you're thinking someone's going to see red here. So, 87th minute, Liango went on a decent run. That came to nothing because his shot was blocked. And five minutes of injury time were added on. Nothing to talk about. Scunthorpe held out. Full-time whistle <laughs> win as they won the game 2-0 to end the O's three-match winning run. So, David just spoke to Russ Embleton yesterday. We're going to play this in two parts. We're just going to play the first minute 40 and then the last minute uh, of the interview here over there just to get Ross's views on the game. So here's the first part of what Ross had to say today, Victor. Well, Ross, thanks very much for joining us. It started so well. Didn't it just? Um, yeah, I thought we come out, we looked, we looked comfortable, we looked confident. Obviously, we get uh, not just the penalty, but we get a number of other 
opportunities, if you like. Obviously, I think we hit the post, didn't we? And we looked to fret. Uh, and that's it's those moments, really, that I think if you're um, if we're really going to kick on and really be uh, in and around where we want to be, that you've, we've got to show a more ruthless streak. We can't afford to uh, lose our men in the box to let them back in it. But I think it wasn't just the the way in which the goal went in. It was the fact that we sort of ended up becoming a little bit like, oh, that one never happened. We never scored there. So now what? Rather than keeping that focus and uh, ruthless attitude, if you like, to go and put a team away, which, which, which is what we should have done. Because the manner in which both goals were conceded would be so disappointing. Yeah, I, I don't watch the goals back until I watch the game back, but um, I know the first one was across from the, down this side, and we talk about this team get the ball wide, we want to put balls into the box, so we need to make sure that we mark, and you know we've worked on that this week in training in terms of making sure that we defend our box, which is something that we've done um, fairly well in the last few weeks. Uh, so that's disappointing. Uh, and then I just remember the fact that it's a sloppy throw on, which, which we didn't deal with well enough, didn't get set up quick enough and then, and then allow people to run off of us and the ball goes through people's legs and I don't think Lawrence can do much about it. So extremely disappointing. Um, but for me, like I say, the, the, the biggest disappointment is we didn't show that real desire and attitude to go and uh, really kick on and, and, and put a team like this to the sword. So that was the first part of Ross's interview there. Talks about attitude, talks about desire, all words that we want to hear or any manager talk. And maybe I was a bit harsh on Figaro because Ross thinks it was a, a difficult one there through, through legs. So maybe yeah. I was a bit harsh on Lawrence. If I was, I do apologise, Mr Vigaru. Um, <laughs> so here's the second part of Ross's interview. So how are we going to approach that one, Ross? Uh, seriously. Because um, what we've got to be, Dave, is we can't be a win for lose a couple, draw one, win three team. I want more from my team, I want more from us as a, as a club to aspire to have that focus. We're not going to play well every week we're going to have to go and be dogged and you know, win games of football a little bit in a little bit of a similar fashion to, to last week. So I want us to aspire to be more. So my message to everybody is let's go, let's not get too down um, I know last time we lost a couple of games in the league there was uh, people calling for people's heads and panicking and where are we going to end up and then we showed what we're about so we know we can be capable, it's a case of disappointment today anger and disappointment from myself and the staff and the players and I'm sure the supporters as well but let's, um, let's get refocused Let's come ready for Tuesday night to take it seriously, to give ourselves the opportunity to win against a good team, um, but show that we, you know, we aspire to be a little bit more than uh, today's performance probably reflected. So that was Embleton there talking about Tuesday night and talking about anger and disappointment. All fair enough there. Yeah. Was good, good, good interview there. So hopefully, you know, we we put Saturday's defeat right on the upcoming fixtures this week. So that defeat means that the Yost, we slipped down to eighth in the table, so just outside of the playoff places now. 8-16, 1-7, drawn three, lost six, 24 points, and a goal difference of plus five. So being a legend, what are your views on the Scunthorpe game? Yeah, well, thanks to Dave Victor for sending us the uh, post-match interview with Ross. Always good to hear Ross's views, and he's always very honest, which I think is to be applauded, Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, no, credit, credit to, to Ross there. Um, always sad to lose, always disappointed. But overall, given our position at the moment, I'm not annoyed. I'm, I'm not downbeat about it. You know, it's one of those that Scunthorpe were on the ascendancy. Our chances didn't go for us. You know, all the possession that we had and the chances that we created, you know, if you don't put them away, you're not going to win games. Um, and if you're not clinical enough in both boxes, you're not going to win 
games you're going to end up losing. And for their second goal, as I said earlier, I thought Seas could have got a little bit closer, maybe closed the shot down a bit better. And obviously, you know, the mystery surrounding uh, as to why certain players are not in the match day squad, particularly Jordan Maguire drew. Um, you know, but such is the depth at the moment that that, that Ross has to choose from. Uh, obviously, he's not going to change a winning side, which is good, and that's fair enough. And I think the uh, players like Jordan have got to, you know, carry on, keep, like you said earlier, keep their heads up, keep training hard, and and give Ross that headache to make them be selected. And it's a it's a shame because obviously Jordan's had a, a pretty solid impact when he has come on in games. So to not have him on the bench. Uh, I'm sure Ross uh, and the staff would have been very disappointed with that uh, as well. So your views? Yeah, my views is a bit of a, a game of what ifs, really. Like, you know, what if Danny Johnson's penalty goes in? What if Conor Wilkinson's shot dips in at the other side of the net? What if Usise's shot goes in off the post? So I guess the disappointment is after winning the last three games, they've been really positive and starting to get on a roll. We've kind of been beaten fairly easily. Uh, bar in the first 20 minutes which makes it a disappointing one um, but you know, there are positives to take away it's good to see Clay back good to see Angola back so two and hours on the bench more often than not um, and like we've alluded to you know, look who's not on the bench who's fit from what we understand right early and like we said you know JMD we'll even go one or two ways now he mans up and gets his head down and becomes the player that we all want him to be or he's so salts and goes off and you know, they inevitably end up leaving the club at some point in the future. So we've got a great opportunity to put things right with two home games and fans returning in the week. And we'll obviously come to that at the end of the podcast. But big opportunity coming up now to put that result behind us and really crack on and kick on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially when we've got fans uh, gonna, that are going to be back there as well and make a, probably a huge difference. So we had a huge amount of feedback after this match. So thanks to everyone for your views that came uh, for sending your views into our social media and accounts. And again, we do try to read out as many of them as we can, but just because we read them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. And Parksy, 1881, starts off this week. He said, nothing wrong with the tactics today. The players just haven't performed and haven't been clinical enough. Yeah, I have to agree with that, really. Alan Reeves, too, said, So in chasing the game, we have gone back six weeks by playing our best winger at left-back and a centre-forward out wide. Literally no plan B. Ewan Carter, 22, said, I think those wins are either paper... Those wins are either paper over the cracks or just haven't turned up today. You've got to have a plan B if plan A isn't working. Not go backwards and put the best winger at fullback to try and get a reaction, which he's not a fullback. End of. MS Orient said, that's a football match you should be winning if you are seriously promotion candidates with a very good budget. Too many players not turning up for an important game that could have kept the form intact. That, ladies and gentlemen is your latent Orient. Sunshine LOFC said, very disappointing to have so much possession and create so many good chances, yet come away with nothing whatsoever. Few players need to have a long look at their performance today, as the goals given away were soft. I agree with that. Yeah, good tweet there. Yeah. David says, this is not good enough. That's the bottom line. Scunny, a very poor side, and we didn't take advantage. BJ has been immense, but he needs to leave the penalties alone. Ryan Peanut said, uh, first 20 minutes we played well, didn't take our chances, got punished that moment on, we run out of ideas and looked tired. We were the team that, uh, with a week's rest also, can't win every game, so it's all about reactions now. That's also a really good point. Yes, we did have a, week's, uh, a week where we didn't have uh, a midweek game, so that's good. But like he said, you're not going to win every game in the league, so 
all about how we bounce back now. It's a great point. Yeah, record blew it. It's a poor second half performance. Bright 20 to 25 minute spell at the beginning with a poor penalty. Please let Wilco takes next. <laughs> and a good chance which hit the post. Full, our full backs were weak and we seemed too petulant. Can't win them all, but that was very disappointing to watch. Billy Carroll GB said an absolutely disgraceful performance. Awful today. None of them played well. Emberton needs to be questioned also. How did Cissé play 90 minutes? And why put Brophy at left-back and then bring two strikers in and play them on the wing? Billy Carroll, come on, cheer up, mate. Come on, let's have one positive. No, to be fair, you did tweet positive, Billy Carroll, about a week or two ago. So, you know, cheer up. All to play for. At Paul underscore LT2P. So, what an abject performance. The ref wasn't much better. Time for Ling to go back in the cupboard. Looking forward to seeing all the striking options I keep being told we have. Well, you can only fit 11 players on the on the team and one of them's a goalkeeper, so you can't have them all out, unfortunately. Paul underscore Walhouse said, Missing penalties happens, but our slow build-up play in the second half was absolutely woeful. Ling, Coulson and others seem to think the game lasts about 10 hours. Really depressing scoreline, just when we were starting to believe. Joby should have gone off at 70 minutes too. Pius is really poor in the final third. Poor discipline too. You can't keep missing penalties and hope to get results. We robbed Fort Vale last week and we've been found out today. Really limp second half, but we're an average mid-table team. It's where we are. Speno 0-1-1 said, frustrating to say the least. Missed penalty and an open goal. Hit the post all in the first 20 minutes. If you can't score then, you probably won't for the rest of the game. Today was a so-orient day, especially against the poor Scunthorpe side. Maybe we aren't as good as we think. I hate... I forgot to add, I hate playing Scunthorpe. Since the playoff final, yeah. I hate Scunthorpe. We side. never seem to beat Scunthorpe. Very rarely do we talk about beating Scunthorpe. Hate them. Freddie LOFC said started off very well. Should have taken one of those chances at the start. Second half was poor, apart from Satiru, who shot, but he didn't look like scorer. Yeah, DeWard underscore seven said, looked like world beaters early on. Had DJ converted the penalty, we'd have won at a canter. Cissé is currently stealing a wage. Scunthorpe are poor. Typical Leighton Orient. Agree about the DJ penalty. Massively agree on that one. Conway underscore Nigel. So the fifth penalty was the only time Danny Johnson touched the ball. What the hell do they do all week in training? No plan A or B. Win or lose, sorry. The football is dire. Every week, so Nigel Conway not happy at all. No, Orient 0546648 said wasn't to be today, definitely under par, even though we had a lot of possession. One plus for me was Leanne Gold looked sharp on his return. As a side note, I really think the coaching team really need to knuckle down on the disciplinary side of things. Too many silly bookings today and in past games, too. It's really interesting now because if you think Sotiriu and Angle were back in there fully fit, it's really going to be interesting to see if Brophy is kept on the left-hand side of the attack because I know Ross likes playing Sotiriu and Angle on the left-hand side and obviously has a penchant for playing Brophy as a left-back. It's going to be really interesting to see whether the return of those two is going to mean it's changing formation to get the best out of Bruel or Liango or whether they're going to be played on the left forward line or whether they're both going to be left on the bench and come on mm. as impact subs. I guess a good a good dilemma for us to have at Orion and CV. So the first home win since September for Scunthorpe says it all really. Simply not good enough. Don't beat your chances away. You can't expect to win. 
frustratingly in first half we could have been two or three up still let's hope they're saving another run of wins for when us fans return Dan Alton 2590 said borrowing the first 15 minutes that was a disgraceful performance and comfortably the worst result of the season not blaming Ross today at all that one's on the players they thought they win easily after dominating the opening stages no positives at all awful day Oh, wow, very harsh. All right, yeah. ball bags. You need to take your opportunities in games. Score the penalty, we win the game. Being dominant in possession means nothing if there's no end product. We need a plan B. We struggle to break teams down when they put 11 behind the ball. And I thought we had seen the last of Brophy at left back. Vince Howard, 73, said, played well until they scored. Then, with just... Then, with them just sticking 10 men behind the ball, just became far too predictable and never looked like scoring. Don't want to be too critical of Ross, but he really needs to try something different if we're behind. It's interesting reading these back. It seems to be a lot of people saying there's no plan B or we don't really kind of tend to know what to do once we go a goal down. Interesting views there. At the astute. So gutted, really, as I thought Scunthorpe were there for the taking. Our discipline was poor. Cissé was poor. Needs to come out of the team for the moment. Bring Hector in for him. Good to see our goal back. Looked sharp. I mean, that's the point about Cissé. I mean, Cissé is the only one of the midfield three who's literally an ever-present. And maybe he needs a rest. Yeah, absolutely. He said that uh, you know, a fair bit. His, his not yeah. the performances have just not been what, we, what we'd what we seen in, in sort of January on his loan with us, you know. Um, I don't know what, what, the, what the issue is there. Dave M1812 said, just one of those games felt like that we played well most of the time, didn't take our chances, we usually do. We got suckered. Danny Johnson was brilliant when making instinct, instinctive strikes. Not so when thinking about it, as in penalties. Who does that remind you of? <laughs> ran out of ideas against mass defence. <laughs> Stuart, 1973, was quite positive. He said, from the missed penalty, we never did got going. One of those days. Could still be there at seven this evening and maybe wouldn't score. We move on. We'll see this on more than one occasion this season. It's the league down to a T. Keep the faith and keep smiling. Orient underscore Ed said, our performance can be summed up with the old football cliche. If you don't take your chances, you get punished. Absolutely, Joe Jester, 16. Best performance in the last game, and all the stats except goals scored back that up. Luck just wasn't with us. Yeah, only one team said if the pen had gone in, it's a different outcome. The most frustrating thing about us is good build-up, a lot of possession, look the better team, but get mugged by bog-average teams time and time again. Yeah, it's very true. Steve Chaplin Force is looking objectively. We didn't deserve to win last week and didn't deserve to lose today. Still, one point better off than drawing both games. And if the penalty goes in, which it should have, it's a different game. Scunthorpe were hardworking, but limited. Disappointing. Yeah, Graham G1484 said, Can't keep missing penalties. That's three or four missed this season. Only Josh Wright has a 100% record from the spot. Draws at Vale and Scunthorpe would have given us two points. We got three. So I look at the bigger picture. I think he meant that was three out of four penalties missed. So we've got a conversion rate from the penalty spot of only 25%, which is an interesting point mm. when you hit it from that perspective. I think it was Lee Angle, who's the only one who scored a penalty, and he took one after he missed one uh, in the cup game, if I remember rightly. Daniel underscore D44 says, once we missed the penalty and Jovi shanked an easy chance, we stopped a play. I really don't know how we played so badly, considering we dominated the first 20 minutes. Very difficult to think of a man of the match, but I have to say, Louis Dennis was probably the best player in an Orient shirt. Wow. That's an interesting perspective. Um, Another tweet has come in from an opposition fan. This time, it's from DACO1974, who said, 
we were struggling seven out of eight losses, COVID uh, and seemingly no idea. We've got a young average age, but we have some experienced players back in a settled team. Happy to finish mid-table given our start. We've played seven of the top eight prior to you and you played as well as most. So that's Oh, thank you very much. There. Yeah, yeah, so let's go on in. Only two more tweets left at 1965 AC1881. So we should have been two or three up after 20 minutes. Lost our way and discipline, especially in the second half. Lacked the spark of creativity to break through a 10-man defence once Gunthorpe scored two poor goals. First one to see, say, court possession, and the second player not closed down. Yeah, final word this week goes to Stroud Greeno, who said it was painful, a painful watch that was made even more frustrating by the fact that Scunthorpe looked pretty rubbish too. Might have been a different afternoon had we taken advantage of our dominance early on, but our response to going down was disappointing and the second half was awful. So thank you for all the tweets that came into us at Orient Outlet. Like Paul said at the beginning, we try and mention as many as we can for balance and we don't necessarily agree with them all so if you agree or disagree with any of those tweets please let us know you can tweet us at Orient Outlook you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com we're on Facebook at Orient Outlook Podcast and we are on Instagram at Orient underscore Outlook underscore Podcast absolutely we absolutely are now we mentioned at the top of this podcast that we had not one but two guests this week and we are absolutely delighted uh, before we move on to the prediction league update to welcome onto the orient outlook podcast the other half of our dynamic commentating duo and not not yeah i made a faux pas earlier on matt uh welcome onto this very podcast lifelong orient fan and the other half of the orient commentary matt hiscock matt thanks for joining us hello paul uh, steve how you doing guys all good thank you mate hope you are as well after that long journey back from scunthorpe um i think matt just before we um sort of get into yesterday just for those that maybe don't know you um how long have you supported orient and why why orient <laughs> Um, for all my life, so I'm in my early 30s, so that tells you the answer to the first question. Um, why Orient? Um, well, like most fans, really just history and generations. My dad's been a lifelong follower of the club and his dad before him. So, yeah, flat family tradition. Uh, sometimes feel like it's a punishment, but uh, <laughs> I think like all of us, we have good days, we have bad days. Um, the, the good days are obviously very special, but uh, it's all a journey. We all enjoy it. And um, Hopefully, uh, the club will give us some more success this year. Fingers crossed, Matt. Fingers crossed. And how did you get involved in co-commentating? Was, was that always kind of a, a path you wanted to take? How did that come about? That's uh, a good question, actually. I mean, to, to be honest with you, um, I've done some other sports commentary. Um, so, before I started with Orient, I was doing some motor racing commentary um, for a company covering speedway meetings. And... I think I'm on my 11th year now with the Orient doing commentary um, and I got involved in it. Johnny Davis at the time was doing the home matches and I think Johnny was less enthusiastic about travelling to away games. So he, he um, was quite happy to introduce me and, and Dave Victor, I think, in fact, thinking about it, my first game was Southend away in the what was the LDV Vange Trophy and Dave said, do you fancy it? Um, we had a go and, and from that moment on Dave just said look I'll have you back next week and I've just continued from there so yeah it's been a, it's been a good 
a good opportunity. I, I always take it as a privilege position to be in. Obviously, more so at the moment where you get to see the games live. But um, that Dave's obviously a very good guy. I think most Orient fans would um, would struggle to find a bad word to say against Dave. He really is a nice guy. We spend a lot of time travelling to away games and. Um, it's a pleasure to, to be alongside him. We have a good rapport and, and hopefully the, the product we deliver um, is one that the Orient fans enjoy. You, you'll never please everyone, but um, I think most uh, would agree it's, it's not too bad. And particularly this year, the club have, have made a lot of efforts to, to, try and, uh, to strive and deliver something for the fans, given the circumstances we're in. Absolutely. So um, we brought you in at the end of the Scunthorpe game. There's a lot of fans that are rather disappointed and upset about the manner of our loss yesterday, particularly as we dominated for about 20 minutes. We'd had chances that had hit the post and uh, a penalty that we've missed. What's your take on yesterday's match? Uh, I, don't, I don't think there was any hiding. It was a, it was a bad day at the office. I think Ross Embleton and Joby McEnough, who spoke afterwards, were, were pretty honest in their assessment. Um yeah, without doubt. I mean, the first 20 minutes, we, we really did dominate in terms of possession. But not only that, we created a lot of good opportunities. Obviously, Danny Johnson missing from the penalty spot. Um, you just wondered after that moment, was it going to be one of those days? But I think we just um, lacked that ruthlessness in the final third. Um, as I say, we did have some really good opportunities. But when we didn't take them, um, we got caught with a sucker punch. It was a good goal from Scunthorpe. Worked it well. Decent cross, decent header. But... Um, unfortunately, it was a good 20 minutes. There wasn't much after that to um, to, to give you many positive vibes. But it was a, it was one game. Um, obviously, we've been on a decent run, four consecutive wins in the league. So um, hopefully, the players can respond on Tuesday and, and follow up with a with a result against Newport next Saturday. It's going to be Paul quite. Man. It's going to be quite crucial. That sorry, Steve. Go on. No, I was just going to say, Paul mentioned at the beginning when introducing you, you've you've been lucky enough and been an, ex, an exclusive group of fans who've been able to, well, not fans, obviously you, you are working <laughs> when you're watching the matches, but you've pretty much watched every game this season. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Um, I think we're in a good place, to be honest with you, Steve. I think at this stage of the season, we're, we're now just over a third of the way through, uh, 16 games gone, um, eighth position, 24 points on the ball. I always calculate every year 72 points will guarantee you a playoff place. So we're on track with that. Mm. Obviously, we're only a third of the way through. But I think when you look at that um, over the, the course of the, the season, I think you've got to be happy with that return so far. Uh, I guess if you look at sort of what the board expectations were, and I know you guys have spoken to Nigel Travis, Ken Teague, and, and obviously Martin Ling spoken before on previous podcasts and on the uh, on the official or in um, website, I think the expectation is, is, of course, to improve on last year, and I think we're doing that. So I think you have to give credit to Ross Embleton and the coaching staff. We we definitely have improved on last year, certainly from what I've seen. There's still more work to do. I think if we want to really penetrate that top seven and secure a playoff position, I think there's a little bit more work we need to do. Um, I think attacking-wise, you always fancy us to score goals, but at the same time, I know we have had clean sheets, but you always feel like we, we may leak a goal. So there's plenty of work to do, but I think 16 games in, you, you've got to be happy with that. Um, I, I guess the other point to add as well, I'm, I'm not particular um, mainstay of, of statistics, but I noticed now we're 16 games in, we've got 24 points on the ball. 
this time last year, Swindon had played 16 games. They had 27 points. So that's quite an interesting statistic. We're only three points behind the team that actually went on and, and won the league. So, uh, again, I think that just demonstrates we're in a good position, but we've got to keep going. That's a great, a great stat. stat. That's yeah. a really good stat. And, and I think you're right. I think as a third of the way through the season with 24 points on the board, we are on track to do that 72 points. Um, one of the things that Nigel Travis, we spoke to him earlier in the show uh, or earlier today and the interviews at the top of this uh, podcast, as you'll probably know um, by the time you come to listen to it, um, Nigel said about strengthening the squad come January. What's your views on the squad that we've got now? You know, you, we had JMD, Josh Wright, Jamie Turley, didn't even make the bench yesterday. Yeah, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? I mean, we've we've got 26 players in the squad already, which some might argue is is slightly heavy, but obviously take into account two of those senior players are out on loan in, in Safari Shadrikogi and Brendan Shivani. So you've got 24 players available each week. Um, there will be injuries and suspensions, but the, the players you've mentioned there, Paul, are obviously experienced players. Mm. D- does this existing squad have enough in the locker to, to push on? I think you you would look at some of the players in that squad and I think you, you're going to need a little bit more out of them if you are going to push on. Now, can they deliver that? I think Ross Embleton, you have to give him credit. He's given players opportunities and they haven't always taken them, which does leave you with that question, is the current squad good enough? Now, I think the difference between now and last season, I think there was three standout teams, the, the Swindon crew and Plymouth trio, they were head and shoulders above everything else in the division. I'm not convinced from what I've seen this year. I don't think the division has the same standard. I don't think it's as strong as last year. So we may need one or two additions to come in. But I think these players that are going to come in are going to have to be players that are going to have to not only be involved, but I think they're they're players that you would need to be starting each week that are going to bring you something more. I don't think there's going to be any need to bring players in that are just going to be as good as the ones we've got. They're going to have to be better than the players we've already got in the squad. So I think it's very fine margins, but I don't think we're far away. And from the games I've seen so far, I haven't really seen anyone, any particular team that stood out um, where I thought these, these are going to be up there at the end of the season. You made some great points there, Matt. Like we mentioned, you've been to every game so far and we always ask the players how they find it with no fans on the ground. How have you found it? Obviously, commentating on games, you're obviously used to hearing the crowd react to goals and bad decisions. And now, obviously, it's all you can hear is Dave and yourself, pretty much, and the coaching staff beneath you. How have you found having no fans in the ground? I'll be honest with you, Steve. I, I, I found it quite challenging, to be honest with you, just because of the whole atmosphere. I've, I've been brought up on going to football and, and part of going to football. It's, it's the entertainment factor. I think... Um, if you support Lake Norrin, you're, you're certainly not going for the glory week in, week out. So it's, it's the fact that you, you want to see when players score goals, you want to see them engaging with the fans, celebrating in front of the fans. Um, you want to see opposition players particularly getting a little bit of stick at times as well. I think that's the beauty of football. But it, it's quite it's quite surreal being inside a stadium with just nobody there. Um it's really difficult, and and a few Orient fans have said to me, "Oh, you're, you're very lucky," which which I totally accept. As I mentioned earlier, it's a privileged position, but at the same time, I couldn't honestly say I've enjoyed sitting there in an empty stadium watching the games. It's it's good to be out seeing a game of football, but it's nothing without the fans. Football will never be anything about the fans, and I know 
even to that point, Nigel and the ball, they've, they've been promoting the stream, which is obviously very important. But even so, nothing replaces fans being at a ground, walking through a turnstile, supporting the team and celebrating together when we get a win. So it has been tough, I won't lie, but as I say, I've been very lucky. I've seen the games, which is more than a lot of people, and I know people have been desperate and would have given their right arm and leg to have been in the ground. So, yeah, I've been very lucky. You've mentioned the stream. Um, have you found that you've had to change your commentating, kind of the way you commentate? Because obviously it was a very, it was all audio based that you and Dave have been doing, but obviously you've moved over to it's now visual based as well as audio based. Have you found that you've had to change your style at all? Um, probably not so much for me than Dave, because I, I guess from my perspective, I'm I'm the summariser rather than the commentator. So there is, I, I see that as a, a different role. Uh, Dave's obviously his role is to commentate and tell you what's happening. Mine is to summarise. So for me, not so much. So I, I I don't really buy into the argument that radio commentary and televised commentary or streaming commentary. Um, are any different and I think you could probably support that with commentators like your Sam Matterfaces and Clive Tilsley who do both radio and um, televised games and their style is exactly the same, it doesn't alter. Um, I, I think the, di- the difference of course with uh, radio commentary, if you make a mistake, unless someone's watching the game, they're not going to pick up on it, there's no hiding place with uh, televised uh, pictures, so... Um, as, as you often find out, particularly if Dave's got his Twitter stream going, um, people will point out uh, an, an obvious mistake. But no, for me, no, no real differences. Um, still thoroughly enjoy it. And, and it's great to have um, supporters there listening as well and, and feeding in and engaging during the game. Um, the only thing, I, I guess, from my perspective, um, I've changed. And to be honest with you, I, I wasn't so much of a big advocate of it, is the is the tweets during the game. I, I Personally, if I was listening at home, I, I'd want to know what's happening on the pitch and in, during the game rather than sort of the birthday tweets or any other sort of topics that come up, maybe dog's birthdays. I know that one came up early in the season. So <laughs> for me, I, I, I think sort of less of that is, is probably um, the way forward during the game. I think you can certainly go through that before the game, maybe half-time, maybe post-game. But um, that, that, that's the only difference I would say from my perspective. We've got a big week coming up, Matt, just before we let you go. So thanks for giving up your, your Sunday evening for us. Um, we've got a big week coming up. Uh, we've got um, the Cup game on Tuesday night against Bristol Rovers and then Newport County, top of the table. Newport County um, at, uh, at home next week. They've lost one in five. We've lost two in five, but they've drawn two of theirs at Newport County. How do you see this week playing out? You think some of the players that haven't had as many minutes or get game time on on, uh, on Tuesday night to give themselves a, a good window to be back into Ross's league plans? Yeah, I expect so. I mean, R- Ross Embleton spoke after the game yesterday and said how important Tuesday was. And I think it's absolutely right because I know sometimes fans dismiss the Papa John's trophy as a, as a competition and, and for understandable reasons. But I just feel with the... the the squad numbers that we have, these games are so important. And I've mentioned a couple of times this year, whether on commentary or just in general conversation, I think the absence of the football combination reserve league, which it was, I think has, has really hindered teams like Orient who've got such a strong squad because you've got players that 
aren't necessarily getting the minutes that they need. So when they are called upon, whether there's an injury and they get the opportunity, sometimes they don't have that sharpness. Sometimes they're not quite prepared for it. So games like Tuesday night, players, when they get thrown in, they really have to take those opportunities and they need to impress the management and say, look, I performed, I, I, I did my job, I'm worthy of a start on the Saturday or being in, in the squad. So I think there'll be one or two players in particular. Uh, I think you mentioned Jordan Maguire-Drew being one of them. I expect he'll play on Tuesday and I suspect he will turn up with a, a really positive attitude and, and he'll be looking to prove a point to say he wants to be in that first team squad. So there's, there's plenty, plenty like him in that squad. Josh Wright as well, another one who missed out on Saturday, Jamie Turley, of course. So... That's the problem you got with the squad, and, and I guess going on to Saturday with Newport, it's going to be a, a really interesting test, isn't it? As you say, they're obviously sitting top of the league. They, they proved a difficult side to break down when they came to our place in the Cup. Um, I think we struggled that afternoon, but Newport have got some uh, good... Uh, well, they've, they've got some good runs going in recent years in the FA Cup, and I just felt perhaps... They wanted it a little bit more than us on that afternoon. I think Saturday, I expect to see a response from the O's. And plus, there'll be 2,000 Orient fans backing them to the hill. So, fingers crossed that they can push us over the line. Before we let you go, you're relatively new on Twitter. So, you bit the bullet <laughs> and you, you eventually signed up. So, anyone who wants to find you on Twitter, you can be found on under, is it Matty H L O F C? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, uh, I, it was a bit of a joke, actually, because um, I said to Paul, I think I, I saw Paul at the Bishop's for friendly, and he asked me about Twitter, and I said, no, nah, I never bothered with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a waste of time. I haven't got time in my life. And uh, I think it was two weeks later, I had an account set up. And to, to be honest with you, the, the, only reason, the only reason I did it was because um, I was trying to help out Dave, knowing that we was going to have, obviously, a lot more people engaging on the streams. And, I mean, you... you I'm sure you guys wouldn't be surprised because I know you've got a, a lot of followers yourself, but the, the tweets come through in their hundreds um, on, on match days and even into the thousands. So I just well, I set it up with the purpose of helping Dave and uh, now I've got it up. It, it provides me with some uh, great entertainment on a Saturday night, win, lose or draw. <laughs> <laughs> You're a sick man, a very sick man. Um, Matt, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us. It's great to have you on and hope to uh, have you back on in the not-too-distant future. I think it's been too long since we since we last spoke to you. Always a Absolutely. pleasure, mate. Thank you very much indeed uh, for all the great commentary and summarising that you do and for your great stat in our game, in our in this podcast as well about Swindon being three points ahead of where we're at now. So you never know. No, you never know. And thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me on. I can only assume you must have been really struggling this week with guests. Um, <laughs> no, it's always good to catch up, guys, and um, hopefully we'll uh, catch up again soon, possibly face-to-face uh, -face at the O's. Absolutely. Stay safe, mate. See you soon. Cheers, guys. Have a Cheers. good evening. Bye. Cheers, Matt. That was Matt Hiscock there joining us to talk about the season so far. I thought it was great value, actually. I thought he made some outstanding points. Yeah. So, yeah, he did. Thank. He was very Thanks. good. A massive thank you there. And he's in Some a very, fact. very small group of exclusive fans, as you said, that have seen every single game this season. Dave and Matt Porter, and, and, and well, maybe not Matt Porter for every game, but you know, certainly him and Dave. Um, so let's move on then, mate. We're at what, just coming up to an hour twenty. 
Oh, let's do it. So the Spine Cadbury Prediction League update. And it's been a while, but they were, well, we'll talk about the prediction first and I'll talk about Design Cadbury. So no correct predictions yesterday. Well over 100 predictions. There was a few 3-0 Scunthorpes, a few 1-0 Scunthorpes, but no one actually predicted 2-0 Scunthorpes. So no one got any points. So Mr Levy, tell us about Design Cadby and what they can offer you. I'm glad you asked me to do that. Design Cadby specialise in company branding. They specialise in advertising, print, digital and logo design with all LOFC fans getting a whopping 15% discount. Now if you're thinking about doing something, uh, you can speak to James. He's on social media at Design Cadby. That's C A D B Y. Uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can see some of his amazing work that he's been doing. You can email James as well. You can email him at hello at jamescadby.com. So, uh, very, very good stuff there. Uh, go and take a look at some of his work on his social media because it is really high quality. And our other podcast sponsor, um, uh, Adam got his uh, got him to do a special video um, summarising his work and what his business is about as well, which came out superbly. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. So as no one got any points yesterday, the top of the table has stayed the same. So B Cross 95, Dan Alton 25, I know, and George Girks lead the prediction league on 16 points, closely followed by O's fan basing and tipping Tim on 14 points, closely followed behind him 13 points. By at Boatsy, at David now, now 17, and at Wadsey. So a massive thank you to everyone who sent in their predictions yesterday. But you're all losers. <laughs> Moving on then to Sunday the 6th of December, as that wraps up uh, the Scunthorpe game. The ladies were back in action today. They were playing Eastbourne Town in the third qualifying stage of the FA Cup. I'm pleased to report that they won the game 4-1, with thanks to goals from Hayley Barton, Alison McCann, Kate Bradley and Egil Trezzi. The ladies secured their place in the first round proper of the, F- uh, of the FA Cup. They're going to be in action against Acton Town. Uh, not sure of the date of that one, but we'll keep you updated as soon as we find out. Absolutely. Well done to the ladies. So time yes. to wrap up this bad boy. So fantasy football update obviously is changing as we record because I think Liverpool have just beaten Wolves 4-0. So Harry Wright is top of the Orient Outlook podcast fantasy football league. Or he was. He was two points ahead of Pat Morgan in second place. So lots of points to play for. I am currently in 33rd place out of 297 players. So not bad good going at all good so going. let's move on into positives and negatives so we've still got two positives despite a disappointing week on the pitch for the O so the first positive is Lee Angle and Craig Clay returning to the squad so that is a huge positive there great to see those two guys back and the second positive is the ladies returning to action so obviously the ladies team didn't play uh, during lockdown for the last four weeks not only did they return to action they also won so well done there to the ladies so I don't the positives Mr Levy leaves you with the negatives yeah we've got the loss to Scunthorpe obviously the manner in which we've lost we've not taken our chances we've missed the penalty and we've given away arguably a couple of goals that we'll be very disappointed with when we look back on that the amount of bookings that we clocked up in that game as well that's not 
uh, particularly positive. I think we need to, to have a word with everyone about uh, and reminding them of their responsibilities uh, for behaviour on the pitch. Also, uh, another, the final negative uh, was the youth team result, uh, or but result, should we say, having lost cumulatively 11-0 to, um, to Peterborough United's youth team. So, yeah, not, not great, but all things are not insurmountable. They're overcomable and we just need to bounce back midweek. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. hero of the week then, before we move on to next week's fixtures, hero of the week, obviously it's going to be no one who played on the playing side given the poor um, results of the week, but we are giving it to a very hard-working team who have worked their butts off for so long and probably we haven't given them the credit they're due um, and they deserve so the heroes of the week this week Danny Macklin who was on last week's podcast and all the staff at the club who have been getting ready for the return of the fans I mean I can't even begin to get my head around how much work has gone into that on the ticketing side on the administrative side on the health and safety side there's so many things that those guys have done so massive credit to everyone involved with the club who have been able to get to this point to be able to welcome fans back on Tuesday night. Yeah, absolutely. Well worthy of that. And it's about time yeah. It's about time we publicly mentioned uh, that. Next week's fixtures then. It's back to Tuesday, then Saturday uh, after a week. Um, sorry. After having had a week's, uh, you know, full, full week on the training pitch, we've now got Tuesday, then Saturday uh, fixtures. We've got two home fixtures coming up this week. Firstly, Bristol Rovers on Tuesday the 8th of December in the EFL Papa John's Trophy as we move to the knockout round and a thousand lucky fans will be in attendance for this match. That ballot has taken place and is now closed. Uh, so don't just turn up. Bristol Rovers are 19th in League One and they're climbing up the table since the appointment of Paul Tisdale. And they beat AFC Wimbledon 4-2 away on Saturday. Their last five games, they've won one, which was yesterday's game, uh, drawn one and lost three. So they're looking uh, like they might be on the ascendancy. Yeah, next up, Newport County in the League 2 action. So, well, you mentioned to Matt, Matt mentioned it, second appearance for Newport County at Brisbane Road after they knocked us out of the Head Cup first round earlier uh, in the month of November. Newport County having a great season, top of the league. They beat Morecambe 2-1 at home on Saturday. They tend to score late, late goals. It's important that we are switched on throughout the entire game. In the last five league games, they've won two, drawn two, and lost only one. They haven't lost last in the last four consecutive league games. So if you're lucky enough to be going, have a great time. Please remember to follow instructions the club have put out. It's very important um, that you stay safe as possible. We don't want anything happening um, to anyone uh, that can be avoided so please be responsible but do remember to enjoy yourselves and get behind the scenes absolutely finally a sponsorship reminder don't forget the best for the best plastering and rendering prices around visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs yeah so that is it thank you for joining us which has turned out to be a bumper episode 200 and 27. It was a quiet week at the O's with only one game played as we slipped to a disappointing defeat away to Scunthorpe, which could have ended up oh so differently had we taken advantage of our early opportunities. But the focus will now change to this week as the O's welcome back fans to Brisbane Road. Two home matches coming up, both difficult, both winnable. And hopefully, this time next week, your South Stand Chums will be talking about two wins and a victorious return for fans watching the mighty O's.
Yeah, so if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe so you get alerts when the podcast comes out and give our podcast a review, please. It would really help us. Uh, If you're listening on SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn and Stitcher, add us to your favourites and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as we upload them. We are also on smart speakers, so listening to the podcast has got even easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one or an Orient chum who you think would like the podcast, wants to be kept up to date with what's going on at Leighton Orient, grab their phone and download it for them. Pass the pod. Yeah, the best Christmas present you can give an Orient supporting fan is the gift <laughs> of the Orient Outlook podcast. There's no finer gift. So make sure if you know there's someone who isn't listening, make sure that they are. So before we leave, a massive thank you to Nigel Travis. That was a lovely surprise. That that happened very quickly. You know, eight hours ago, that wasn't even on the table. So that turned around very quickly. So massive thank you to Nigel and Luke for making that happen. A massive thank you to Matt Hiscock, who I thought was a brilliant. Um, guest thank you to matt and we'll be back with episode 228 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need so we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm stay safe have a great week and listen to the orient outlook podcast yeah just before we uh, finally sign off just to explain this week's track that we're playing out to is slightly different to uh, to what we normally play so uh up the o's Oh,